We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX at your service. Tuesday night, 9.06 in downtown St. Louis. Three weeks away from the election. Just three weeks. You're noticing this, of course, because of all of the campaign ads we're seeing telling you how awful everybody's opponent is and how wonderful they are. And you know this. It's getting a little bit chilly out as well. You know this for a, for a variety of reasons. Debates on they had the Illinois governor's debate on where apparently it only took them 10 minutes to call each other a liar 2,600 times each. This is political season. But this year, something uh, a little different on the ballot in Missouri, something I at least have not seen a commercial for yet, I expect to, and something that could have very long-ranging effects – some would say negative, some would say positive, you decide, uh, but long-ranging effects on the state of Missouri. And it is Amendment 3. Amendment 3 is the constitutional amendment uh, to legalize marijuana for recreational use. Now, obviously this has been highly debated. Lots of states have legalized it. If you live over in Illinois, it's been legal there for couple of years now. Uh, it's already legal, legal medically in Missouri. So this is on its way. I mean, I, I really think that we are past the moment of the sort of moral debates and what are we doing to the children debates because it it's happening all over the country. And sooner or later, that boulder is going to roll through our neighborhood. Uh, my personal feeling on it, quite simply, if there are making a bunch of tax money over in Illinois off of it. And if people are going to be smoking it on this side of the river too, or taking gummies or however they choose to ingest it, Missouri may as well be getting that same financial benefit. Has nothing to do with my feelings on whether you should, whether you shouldn't. It's just at this point, it's like, let's be pragmatic. But my next guest gives me reason for pause yeah, because I, I really thought yeah, it, this is this is a no brainer to vote to vote yes on, but there are some things to think about. There's some things in the way that this law is written that will at least make me scratch my chin a little bit and think on it a little more. Joining me now, Mike Wolf, Mr. Wolf, a former I should say Judge Wolf, former Supreme Court Justice in the state of Missouri, among other things. Joining us now on KMOX, Judge Wolf, thank you for being with us. Oh, good evening. Nice to be with you, George. Well, 
I appreciate you coming in with us because I really wanted to talk about uh, what you laid out here. This was an op-ed that was in the Post-Dispatch back on the 29th of September. And uh, basically what you got into is not so much what would be legalized, but what the process would be in implementing it and how that might not be very good for Missouri or for a lot of people. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about your thoughts here? Yeah, I'm, I've been, uh, uh, of course I grew up with, you know, the, uh, in the sixties and seventies with, uh, you know, marijuana being a drug of the counterculture and so forth. Um, uh, and, uh, it was, uh, in the Nixon administration, as a Schedule One drug, which means that it had high penalties and so forth, and most states had fairly significant penalties for possession, sale, use of marijuana. Um, it is uh, a drug that has been studied a lot despite its illegal status. I think the public has come to understand that that uh, it ought to be legalized and regulated. I, I think the polling shows that people are in favor of that. The Missouri voters uh, four years ago uh, recognized this in the form of legalizing in, through the Constitution amendment uh, medical marijuana, uh, where you have to go to a doctor and get a card saying that certain conditions that you have can be treated by marijuana. Um, and But then what they did when the next step, of course, is to make it uh, available for adult use or recreational purpose, however you want to uh, characterize that. Um, and the, uh, the this amendment, which is 39 pages long, gives the people who have the marijuana licenses first dibs on uh, the licenses for the full legalization uh, thing. So basically the state uh, not only is regulating, but it is basically setting up kind of a cartel where uh, the favored people who got the licenses this time, and I say favored, some of them, uh, there were many, many more applicants than actually got licensed. I think there were like 2,200 applications for either selling or cultivating or distributing. Um, and the, uh, and they, they granted uh, somewhere under, I think, 400 uh, licenses. So there were a lot of people, and there were about 800, several hundred people uh, who were applied for licenses, and they spent a lot of money applying for licenses. There were people uh, from other states that came in and were consultants on this, and then they had some firm uh, from the West uh, Coast area that uh, came in and, and uh, scored all these applicants, and some of the people got the same scores. One was given a license, one wasn't, and so the whole process was kind of messy. Uh, but essentially, the uh, it seemed to me that there was some way that you could get a license if you had people that were had some influence uh, in the process. Uh, that's kind of a hard thing to prove, but that's what it kind of looks like, especially when you talk to people who didn't get licensed. They say, well, I didn't hire the right people or I don't know the right people. And they put a cap uh, on the number of licenses also, right? And they didn't have to do that. Am I did. correct? That's absolutely. They didn't have to do that. There was a, the constitutional amendment four years ago said they had to have a, a allow for a minimum number of licenses so they'd be distributed around the state. Uh, but there wasn't a requirement of a cap. The state was permitted to put a cap on. The state did put a cap on, which really said, okay, well, we'll just have a, a fewer 
fewer than might get into this business. Well, the answer, the, the question that, that, that that's answering is, well, some of these people, if you don't put a cap on the number of licenses, some of them are going to fail. Well, we have a name for that in this country. It's called capitalism. And some, some businesses start up and they fail. Uh, some businesses start up and they succeed. Um, but the state kind of comes down and says, okay, we're only going to have so many. Um, and we're going to have some kind of scoring system or whatever it was to get these things. So the, the question really comes down to if you favor legalizing marijuana and having it legalized and regulated, here's your opportunity. But the price you're going to have to pay is that you've turned it over to the same uh, fairly favored group that, that will be uh, able to control the market, dominate the market. Uh, and get rich off of it. So this is, yeah, well, yes. Right? Uh, but, you know, I guess people in our country shouldn't be opposed to getting rich. But I think you should be opposed to getting rich with the help of the government. Uh, maybe that's where you draw the line. And that's what I was going to say. It, it's the, the, the capping, the, the thing about capping the licenses. Yeah. There are two things I can think of where licenses were capped by the state. There were taxi cab yeah. medallions in New York City and casino licenses in Louisiana. And what those things Great have example. in common is people went to prison based on both of those systems. <laughs> well, you know, when we legalized riverboat gambling, there were only a certain number of licenses authorized as well. And so that, you know, the, a similar kind of thing happened. But, but I think that the regulation in Missouri was, uh, was fairly strict, and I, I didn't hear a lot of complaints about corruption in that process. But you have to watch out for these kinds of things for exactly the reasons uh, that, you, that you mentioned. So tell me um, this. When when and uh, yeah. we we spoke on the phone earlier, and you you mm-hmm. sound like you're pretty much like me, where on a glance at first hearing about this, your instinct is to vote yes. Sure. But then you look, sure. you went, you went and looked at the details where the devil is, of course, and uh, said you said in your article you're having a hard time getting there. Uh, where are yeah. you? I mean, is is it is it worth? I mean, we're probably putting off the inevitable, but at the end of the day, uh, a state that can always use a a few more bucks in the budget is turning its back on a lot of money for at least another year, maybe two, maybe four. Is it worth doing that with no guarantee that the next bill that comes around will be any less uh, beneficial to the uh, sort of wealthy elite than this one is? Yeah, I think I think I think that's a fair point. Uh, and as a matter of fact, uh, for us in the St. Louis area, if you inclined to buy marijuana, there's a couple of dispensaries right across the river. Uh, if you work in downtown St. Louis, they're probably closer than going to Chesterfield. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so there is a market, although carrying it across state lines is a federal offense, and, and also there's you know there's that problem. Um, and so there, and so I don't know what the feds are going to do with this. There's been a number of proposals, uh, especially in the current administration, to uh, at least tamp down the scheduling of the of the drug so that so that states can legalize it and not put people in jeopardy. I mean, there's actually a, 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 pro, a provision in the ethical rules of the of the Missouri Bar the, that the Supreme Court puts out, and one of the things that they put in there was a comment uh, that cautions lawyers 
that they should be careful about helping people deal with substances that are illegal under federal law, whether or not they're legal under state law, uh, because obviously lawyers aren't allowed to assist in the commission of crimes. So there is that little detail, um, but I don't think that troubles the public very much. Um, the question is whether the public wants to have legal marijuana available for sale in retail stores for adult or recreational use, and is it and the regulation that's all fairly well detailed in the Constitution. The problem with that is the Constitution can only be changed by another amendment voted on by the people as a whole. I've always thought that the legislature, if they had it together, should do this because like liquor control, liquor control, there's bills dealing with liquor regulation probably every year or every other year, and they pass bills every so often to, to fix things that need to be adjusted and so forth, and sometimes it's special interest pleading and sometimes not. But we've had liquor control for uh, since 1930-something when, uh, when Prohibition ended, um, and it's um, – and, and it's and it's kind of complicated. You, it, there's a lot of nuances that go along with regulating uh, intoxicating substances, and you should probably uh, not put that in the Constitution. That's one of the things that I'm kind of wary of. But but the main thing is that you've really and this is going to be a very profitable industry, no question about it. And will they get involved in, in uh, political funding political uh, issues? Yes, I think so. Okay. Uh, there's a there's a whole lot of things that that you might have to give up in order to have legalized marijuana, and and I'm just not sure. That's why I'm having a hard time getting to yes, even though I, I I'm in basically been in favor because I've seen so much injustice done by the enforcement of marijuana laws. Uh, just as an example, for example, uh, over the last decades, many decades. The, the use of marijuana by blacks and whites is about the same, but the punishments are weighed quite heavily on the African-American population. And it really goes back to the war on drugs in the Nixon administration. Uh, there's an interesting quote uh, that John Ehrlichman, you know, one of Nixon's... Uh, of Watergate uh, fame. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that guy, you know, one of the, ma- one of the major felons in that administration. <laughs> he, he said... He said something to the effect is, well, he said, we knew, he said it was intended to target blacks and anti-war activists in the late 60s. He said, we knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or to be black. But by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and blacks with heroin, and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt those communities. We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know that we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did, he said Ehrlichman. So the racial impact of the war on drugs was not a bug of the system. It was a feature of the war on drugs. And I've always thought that we've done an enormous amount of injustice. This amendment, by the way, does have some provisions in it for expungement, but it doesn't necessarily be automatic. I mean, if if you've got uh, marijuana just for simple possession, and maybe even low-level sales. If you've got a conviction for that, you've led a good life. Uh, and I think uh, Governor Parson has been granting some uh, pardons on, uh, on some of on some of these kinds of things. But you know that's usually after a long period of 
of, of living a good life and then you get a pardon. Well, I um, probably should erase those right off the bat. Well, it's certainly a lot to think about, a lot for folks to think about as they go to the polls. Once again, three weeks from today, uh, this will be one of many things that we will be faced with in the ballot box here on the Missouri side of the river. Again, former Missouri Supreme Court Justice Mike Wolf, thank you so much for joining us here on KMOX, giving us something to think about regarding Amendment 3. Have a good night, sir. All right. Thank you. Good to talk to you, George. It's 921. I'm George Sells. You're listening to KMOX. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Local news and information direct to your smart speaker. Just say, play KMOX. On a Tuesday night, 926 in the evening, and uh, if you've been listening to the news for much of the night, uh, the story that is kind of the the big breaking news is coming out of the Hazelwood School District. Jana Elementary up in Florissant is the school that uh, has made national headlines uh, the last few days. Uh, tests came back, testing that was done inside the elementary school building. Uh, that showed very high levels of radioactive material in this building. Radioactive material. Now, you immediately start thinking Coldwater Creek. Well, there is a reason, and you are correct to be thinking that, because this is also in the area of where they were building atomic bombs back uh, World War II into the early 50s. And that is that waste was disposed of improperly, though they may or may not have known they were doing that at the time. You know, that's a long, long time ago, but its ramifications continue to be with us today. We've been discussing this issue at length for many years uh, in North County, particularly in the uh, the Coldwater Creek area, the Westlake Landfill, and now we have Jenna Elementary that is having to deal with this. The school board in Hazelwood made the decision just within the last couple of hours that that school is going to be put 
on virtual learning for the remainder of the semester. They are pulling kids out of the building. They are going to do virtual learning. So uh, kind of harkening back to the uh, pandemic, uh, the kids are back online for the remainder of the semester, which uh, we've still got a solid month and a half of classes left to go. Joined now by Ashley Bernaw. She is the PTA president at Jenna Elementary. And uh, Ashley, thank you for being with us. I know it's been a busy night for you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, just tell me, uh, first of all, just your ba- your basic reaction to what happened tonight. I would think that the fact that they're getting kids out of that building is a good first step. Um, absolutely. You know, we, we commend the Hazelwood School District for taking the the difficult step of of recognizing the radioactive material that has permeated most of North County Um recognizing it and taking the very first step to to secure the safety of staff and and students. What went through your mind when you first heard the results of this test, when you first heard radioactive material, and we're not talking just a little bit more than what is normal or acceptable. We are talking about multiples here, exponential amounts. What went through your mind when you first heard that? Well, um, you know, it, it really went to a very practical place of how do we get our school remediated so that it is safe and get our kids to be able to learn in a safe environment. We we know from the report that Jana Elementary is absolutely can be remediated and should have already been remediated um, if the Army Corps of Engineers and the and the Department of Energy had done their jobs correctly from 2018, 2019, and during the pandemic of 2020. And informed our school district. We know that our school district could have made better, better and more informed choices about how quickly our school could be remediated. But we do know our school can be remediated right now, and so we don't want to see our community, our school closed, and end of subject. Uh, we don't want to see our kids redistricted. We have an amazing Jana Elementary community, and one that deserves to be saved and and protected. And so we absolutely appreciate the school district from taking immediate action. But the next immediate action must be to find a suitable location for us to continue to educate our kids in person, together, as a community. Our kids have gone through enough. They don't deserve to suffer because of the, the bad judgment of adults 40 to 80 years ago. How many kids do you have at Jana, and how long have they been there? Um, you know, Jana Elementary, I think, opened in the... No, I meant I mean you personally. 70s. I meant you personally. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. I, I have one child at Jana Elementary. They've been there since kindergarten. Are you are you concerned for your child's health? I mean, this is... We've been talk, talking about these issues for years. I mean, how, how worried are you right now? Oh, I'm, I'm very worried. You know, all of us live in very close proximity to the creek in order to attend Jana Elementary. So what has... What is in Jana Elementary should absolutely set a precedent for being able to have a wider range of testing for homes and communities, churches, businesses, everything else that dots the creek. And we, we deserve that level of, of cleanup, but we also deserve to have our kids' um, education maintained. They don't deserve that level of disruption, again, because of mismanagement. The virtual thing... Uh... I think everybody kind of 
found it to be a blessing and a curse during the pandemic, uh, a blessing because there was a way to keep educating our kids, uh, a curse because a lot of kids just didn't do real well with it. Uh, This has got to be frustrating and maybe a little worrisome having to take this step. I mean, obviously it's, it's really probably the only step you can take right now to do something immediately. But uh, as a mom, it's got to be kind of frustrating too. Um, You know, it's, we know that all kids have different learning abilities and learn differently. We know that there are many hardships that come along with virtual learning particularly for our students where many of our uh, parents and grandparents that care for the kids, they're nurses, they work retail, they're, they're not able to work from home. And so, yes, this is absolutely the step the Hazelwood School District had to take in this particular instance, but we want this to be a much shorter term, um, you know, a matter of weeks, not a matter of months as a virtual learning option before we can get back into our school building or find an alternate school building altogether. We do not believe virtual learning for this long, with this short of notice, it is an appropriate choice for for our students. We need more choices that help parents um, to be able to continue good education for their kids. Again, our kids do not deserve to suffer at all. What was the sense you got uh, being at the meeting, talking to other parents? I assume you were able to talk with the a principal here or some other administrator there after things were were over with. Uh, they're saying the end of the semester. Is there any hope of getting the, you know, you've got, you've got teachers and you've got kids. Is there any chance of getting them someplace all in one place uh, sooner than the end of the semester? Gosh, we sure hope, hope so. Considering the amount of vacant and empty buildings that dot North County, we do believe that there's a perfectly suitable uh, school building, church building, um, you know, even a storefront might might work in a special condition or, or maybe, you know, rearranging existing schooling like at the Hazelwood School District so that there is ample room to accommodate students from Jana so that we can, again, all learn together as a community. No one deserves to have to suffer from their education just because we wanted to ensure that the kids were safe. So we definitely understand that the immediate action must be um, you know, virtual learning, but we do not think redistricting our students to other schools is going to be a long-term solution for this problem, especially considering the level of widespread contamination that is well known within North County, St. Louis. And lastly, I want to go back to the bi- kind of the bigger picture. You you talked about this you know, since 2018 in some areas. Uh, this has gone on much longer in in other areas, I I, I came to St. Louis uh, in a, in a previous life as a re, as a reporter back in 2008, and we were talking about this then. Uh, when did you start to really become cognizant of this issue, and did you ever imagine it was going to affect you as personally as this? Um, I, I moved up here in 2013 with my family. Um, I learned about this in 2015, just by happenstance of listening to the radio, and uh, learned about a community meeting and felt that it was really important as as a new member to uh, the North St. Louis County that I that I lent my support to the neighbors that had radioactive material in their backyards and near their schools. Little did I know that Coldwater Creek uh, touched the very school property my child would go to. Uh, but since that time, I've been 
diligent in asking the Army Corps of Engineers and the Department of Energy for information about testing at Jana Elementary. And I know that testing did not occur until 2018, despite the school has been there since the 70s. And I do think that more proactive measures by the Army Corps of Engineers could have absolutely prevented what has just transpired today. Have they put lives in danger? Absolutely. There's no question that lives have been harmed, changed, and and for for the worse. There are families that are broken because there are members of their family missing. There are members of their family sick because the Army Corps of Engineers has not cleaned up fast enough. The Department of Energy has denied uh, people to have an accurate and an effective cleanup by leaving behind large amounts of contamination. They'll argue it's not large amounts, but I will argue any amount that makes our community substandard to what should have been in nature, that is absolutely an impact to our community. And it's absolutely on the Army Corps of Engineers to prevent that level of danger they are leaving behind. Well, Ashley Bernal with Jan Elementary PTA, we appreciate you joining us tonight. Obviously, a story that we will continue to follow, a story that will be ongoing. Best of luck to you, your family, and your friends there, Jana. Thank you so much, and thank you for your time. Thank you for your listeners. Um, the support at Jana Elementary, we have appreciated your support. We, we really would appreciate your ongoing support to make sure that our community gets to stay together, our parents, our students and our teachers are still really counting on our community to, to rally behind us and help us find a, a building that will allow us to learn together. And we need it. We needed it yesterday. So if your viewers can help us or your listeners can help us, gosh, we sure hope you will. And we'll leave it at that. Jenna Elementary, once again, going on virtual learning effective immediately for the remainder of the semester due to high levels of radioactive material found within the school. It's an issue that's been going on for decades in North St. Louis County, and yet these things just seem to keep popping up again and again. KMOX News Time, 9.38. We go where you go. 11.20 a.m., 98.7 FM, KMOX.com. in the evening, Tuesday, KMOX at your service. George Sells with you. Another 20 minutes or so. As I mentioned in a couple segments ago, we are only three weeks away, three weeks to the day away from Election Day. And stop the presses, Missouri. We have Hamgate. Yes, Hamgate. Controversy over Ham has come into the Missouri electoral process at its highest level. It is entering the race for United States Senate. This really kind of cracks me up. Um, Eric Schmidt, Republican candidate. Trudy Bush Valentine, Democratic candidate. And uh, Trudy Bush Valentine's campaign put a tweet out uh I guess it was, or one of her one of her campaign people, I should say, put a tweet out. Uh, 
Eric Schmidt helped sell 145,000 acres of Missouri farmland to communist China for a few thousand dollars in campaign donations and some Christmas hams. Laughable to think he would do anything differently as a senator. This is the this is the accusation. Ms. Bush Valentine, of course, saying that she will not owe anyone anything. But it's it's the hams that just kill me. And and I mean, let, let, me, let me preface this. I, I, I'm not endorsing Eric Schmidt here. There are plenty of reasons to vote against Eric Schmidt. You can start with the amount of time he is forcing school systems to waste as they chase around his uh, subpoenas for everything having to do with just – all, you know, what kind of books that they are putting in their libraries and uh, there's stuff about vaccinations. And it's basically anytime he can find a reason to sue a school district these days and from his position as attorney general, he seems to be doing it. And that by itself, my friends, is more than enough reason to vote against Eric Schmidt. But Ham, Ham may be a little bit much. I think we can we can. Trust our voters uh, to be a little more intelligent than needing to be uh, hit over the head with a ham to decide how they're going to vote in in an election. Now, we don't want to think that our politicians are trading ham for favors. I'm pretty sure that's a, a bad thing. As, you know, twenty and twenty. Of course, they also said this, the the hams that he expe- accepted were valued between twenty and twenty five dollars each. And I cry foul there too, as I will tell you right now, because I have been to Honey Baked Ham at Thanksgiving time, and if you walk out of there for under a hundred bucks, you've done well. So one of two things is happening: either Schmidt was fudging the value of those hams, or he was accepting really cheap ham. And either one of those things should be a political scandal. There's no question about it. Election day. Three weeks from now. Give it plenty of thought and think about the ham. We'll be back in a moment. It's 945. Nine forty nine on a Tuesday night. George Sells with you. KMOX at your service. Just a few more minutes as we come down the stretch, spinning through the cavalcade of headlines floating around the interwebs on this chilly Tuesday night. You may have heard in the news uh, last half hour the fifteen million barrels of oil being released from the strategic oil reserves. Uh, the latest attempt to try to do something to fight back against uh, these gas prices that have gone up between you've got the uh, you've got OPEC saying that they're going to cut production and that's going to cause things to rise. You've got uh, the war, of course, between Russia and Ukraine and that huge amount of oil supply that has basically been cut off from the world. It really shows how global the economy is. Uh, Cracks me up how people are trying to blame the have you seen the, the Biden stickers on the gas pumps? There was some dude going around for a while putting Biden stickers on the gas pumps like Biden somehow made this happen. It's like, have you heard anything about supply and demand, sir? (laughs) The supply got smaller 
Meanwhile, the pandemic was ending, so the the demand was much larger, and that usually means the price goes up, boys and girls. And for those who don't understand that, I I send you my regrets. Um, you know, maybe you can jump online with the kids at Jana Elementary and uh, take a, a math class and, and figure out how all that works. But uh, for now. Uh, the government trying to do something to to keep the oil prices in check and keep the gas prices from going through the roof again. So we're, of course, all crossing our fingers for them. Uh, grocery prices. This is another thing. This was popping around on the St. Louis Reddit today. Somebody asking about the grocery prices and asking sort of rhetorically, does it seem like maybe the prices are going up disproportionately to how they should be? Considering the fact that, you know, we've kind of seen all a lot of the things like the gas prices and everything else sort of level out over the last few months. And you would think that uh, you wouldn't be having to pay you know, 18 bucks a pound for a New York strip. Uh, that one makes me wonder. That one raised my eyebrows. Uh, always curious what people think on that front as far as how often do – Businesses take advantage, take some liberties when something is happening that is global and in the news and everybody knows it's happening, i.e. prices are going up. You wonder what's real. You know, the it, it, there's a 10% hike in per month in your groceries, say. Is that 10% about what it should be based on the fact that oil prices went through the roof, there was a shortage of truckers, put all that together, and it cost more to get stuff from point A to point B? I mean, we know that caused a raise in prices. But how much did it cause? Did it cause the whole 10%? Or maybe it just caused 6 or 7%, and maybe our friends down at the local grocery store were like, well, you know, They've been raising a little bit each week. Nobody's going to notice if we pop it another few cents there. I I wonder how much of that we're seeing. I think a lot of people wonder how much of that we're seeing. And you should be keeping an eye on that because the the one thing, particularly uh, in a a city where our grocery stores, our biggest ones, are locally owned, you you, you do have the ability to ask questions. And at least let them know that you're paying attention because it's when you're paying attention that the whole "Eh, nobody will notice part may be a little less likely to happen. Food for thought. Remember the Rain Nightclub down on Washington Avenue, big party spot during the pandemic or just as they were starting to let people back out and uh, they had this little problem. Rain was on Washington And they were staying open later than they were supposed to. And they were serving liquor later than they were supposed to. And then people started shooting at each other. And this, of course, displeased the neighbors. And it turned into a big battle between Rain, spelled R-E-I-G-N, and the city. Uh, And the city tried to shut them down. And then they couldn't. And then they did shut them down. But they opened anyway. Well, they finally closed them down. So now here we sit uh, two years after rain was at its the peak of its rain, if you will, and we can ask ourselves, was this club the cause of 
so much of the violence they were seeing on that stretch of Washington Avenue and so many of the problems they were seeing? Or was it just, uh, you know, pointing fingers and excuses, which is what the club folks were saying? Well, the numbers seem to bear out, according to our friends over at KMOV, that, in fact, the club was the problem. Uh, and basically they, they did measurements on a number of police calls on the on the same block uh, in 2020, in 2021, and in 2022. Uh, in 2022, in what I assume is the same measurable time period since it was laid out this way, uh, they have had fewer than half the police calls on that block than they did two years ago when rain was raining. So, long story short, it appears that one nightclub with little to no regard for, you know, basic rules, laws, and just generally being neighborly to the folks who live nearby can, in fact, be the, sor- be the source of the problems. Uh, it appears the city wasn't making that one up. I'm not saying the city's making anything up. I'm just, they were, they were, they were being accused of making it up. And uh, they now have numbers out that uh, KMOV pulled together. Uh, that indicate, in fact, rain was a major part of the problem. Uh, I can tell you working in the downtown area, though, it goes far beyond one block, goes far beyond one nightclub, uh, because, you know, I work at 11th and Convention Plaza, and I can tell you that there have been a lot of shootings in that area in the last year, year and a half. And that is not something you like to think about uh, within a block or two of the place that you're going to work every day. And uh, as our city continues to push forward and try to improve things and make things better, uh, this is a problem that's going to have to get solved. Pure and simple. Solve the crime problems, and then you're going to let all the good work you're doing shine. Don't solve them. And same old, same old. 956, I'm George Sells. Camo X has been at your service this Tuesday evening. Thanks for joining me. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.